Good morning. I wanted to give you some information about women's ministry. Um, same things as last week, but I'm glad there's a new week, however that Greek word was for new in the timeline. I'm glad there's a new week to it. Um, so uh, we are conducting a survey. We'd like you all to participate and put your input into it. Um, there are copies, hard copies. Um, either on the back table or in the commons, and there's a basket if you want to leave them there. We have also made it online, so Eileen, thank you so much. Um, it's, the link is actually on the home page, so if you go to the church's website, on the home page there's a link to the survey. You can fill it out and submit it online as well. So we'd really appreciate your input for that. Also, just again, Bible studies have started all this information is also on the church's website, but we have Monday mornings. And if you wouldn't mind, Diana, would you mind standing up? Monday mornings is facilitated by Diana. She's a very nice person. <laughs> and she, she, and so, um, so I just kind of wanted you to see a face with it. And uh, Monday evenings, I do it. I'm probably the sketchiest person out of this group. <laughs> Uh, Tuesdays on Zoom is with Cindy Mullins. Is I don't know if Cindy's here today. And uh, Thursday more uh, Thursdays are with Katie. Katie, do you mind standing up, please? Oh, she's waving her hand. Thanks to thanks, Katie. Uh, again, a very nice person <laughs> to have a study with. She, she does an excellent job. So uh, there's a sign-up sheet on the cart. But on the cart out back, but if um, you need any more information, please uh, get, get me and, and I will give you information or email me. My church um, email address is also on the website. Thank you. Thanks, Kathy. So we have one other announcement. Uh, there is going to be a uh, church annual meeting, and everybody that is going to come to that meeting is going to be a nice person. <laughs> Apparently everybody here is nice, <laughs> which it's been my experience. So, I mean, has it been your experience? Is every, yeah, there's nice people here, which is, which is really good. So our annual meeting that we have uh, once a year, every year, we talk about the the year that we just completed, because for those of you that are a little bit behind the times, 2022 is over. It's over. It's now 2023. And so Saturday, February the 18th at 9.30 in the morning right here, uh, the uh, pastors and elders will be presenting the annual meeting talking about the year just passed and the vision into the future. I highly encourage you. Uh, to to come out for that. Um, it is a church family, and we talk about family-oriented stuff, right? And that's what the annual meeting is about. So uh, that's the only other announcement we have. If you would stand, uh, we'll pray, and we will continue to worship. Amen? Just a great opportunity to focus on the Lord and express our love. You know, they say that worship is response, and sometimes in the craziness and busyness of life, isn't it good to come to the house of the Lord, to have a time where you can just completely choose to be fully present in His presence, and whether you're just listening or whether you, you know the songs and you're expressing your love and 
and worship to the Lord. Isn't it just wonderful? And uh, we're just so thankful for the giftings that the Lord has brought to the well in the area of worship. And um, again, thank you, worship team. That was, that was wonderful. Uh, last week, if you were with us, uh, it was really kind of a, a celebration. And I appreciate the, the feedback that I, I got this, this uh, past week because, uh, you know, the Lord spoke to, to a number of you about who you are in Christ, right? Uh, kind of it was a wake-up call for some. Uh, a joyful wake-up call, a reminder, right? Second Corinthians 5.17, uh, we looked at this as, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And we looked at that really in a celebration last Sunday of who you are in Christ. And hopefully you, you took that with you this past uh, seven days and it made a difference of how you view yourself, how you view life, and whatever God brought across your path uh, these past seven days. And we're going to continue today moving into 2023. It's the third Sunday of 2023. And we're really, we're really going to build on uh, this truth that we are a new creation. If you were here last week, uh, you know that there are two words for new that we looked at. One is naos and one is kainos. And a great way that, that I thought of, because I'm a very visual learner, uh, had to do with the, the, the auto industry, right? And so we showed this slide last, last week, and uh, uh, there's naos, and that's what Kathy was referring to, new in the sequence of time. So the 2023 Hyundai Sonata would be a NAOS model. It's wonderful, looks great, right? I'm sure they're wonderful improvements, but there's always been other Sonatas, the 2022, 2021, right? The concept car is a Kainos, right? The Hyundai Prophecy concept, that's Kainos, unprecedented, spectacular, amazing, right? Draws your attention, never existed before. Right? And so if you were here last week, Eileen, keep that up. Uh, keep that up. Which vehicle are you in Christ? The Naos or Kainos? Oh, come on. You got to be a little bit more excited than that. In Christ, which vehicle are you? Which model? Kainos. You're Kainos. You're the concept car. You're the concept car. Right? And this is very important because a lot of people look at Christianity as rehabilitation, reformation. Becoming a better version of yourself when in all honesty, when you're a kainos creation through faith in Jesus, it's not, it's, it's way beyond rehabilitation. Amen? It's transformation. It's transformation. You are a brand new concept, never existed before on this planet. You put your faith in Christ, you're born again, regenerated, indwelt by the Holy Spirit, given a new heart, new passions, new mind of Christ. And now it's left to you and us as a church to figure out how to drive this concept car. Right? It, 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 you got to figure it out. I shared last week, if, if that prophecy showed up out here and we said, hey, you can go in there and take it for a spin around Ojai, some of you would get in there, sit down and go, how do you turn it on? Right? You would be like, I don't even know how this thing works. Right? And in a, in, a, in a very powerful way, very truthful way, when you are a kind-ass creation, indwelt by the Holy Spirit, regenerated under the new covenant, there's this thing called sanctification, and sanctification is figuring out how this thing works. If you continue to live in the rehabilitation, reformation mindset, you're, you're going down the wrong road. 
That's not what Christianity is about. That's not what being a follower of Jesus is about. You come, you put your faith in him, you are a kainos creation, and now you follow him in newness of life. We are to have newness of life, not just trying to make ourselves better than we were before we knew Jesus, not becoming better religious people, right? Now, as you would try to figure out a concept car, you might make some errors trying to figure out where the blinkers are and how to turn the wipers on, right? It was funny, uh, just yesterday or the day before, uh, my son had been going to school in L.A., and he'd had one of our cars, and he came up, and we switched cars. So I hadn't driven. It was one of my older cars. So we switched, and he took one back. And so yesterday or the day before, during the rain, I was driving the car that I hadn't driven in nine months or so. And I'm driving. I'm coming to church to do some work. And it was just, I had one of those funny moments because I was in autopilot with the old car. And it started to rain hard, and I like, tried to turn the wipers on, and I turned my lights on. And, and it was just one of those moments where, like, I had to laugh at myself. And I'm like, and then I, I got nervous because I'm trying to figure, well, how did, because it's a little bit reversed from the car that I had been driving. Well, in sanctification, you're going to have those moments where you're going to have to deal with the old habits. Okay, you're going to have to deal with the old habits, and you're going to catch yourself you might stumble and bumble, and you might stub your toe, and you might make some poor decisions. You might even end up laughing at yourself. But you just got to give yourself the grace to figure it out. And it's just going to take time. It's like learning to ride a bicycle. It's like any skill that you might have. It just takes time. There's a, a quote that, that's really I came across. Again, I do a ton of reading and, and kind of helping yourself um, grow and become a you know, leader and all this. And, and you know, you're afraid, how many of you repeat it? Practice makes, okay, so, uh, here, here, let me, let me reframe it because there's a reframe of that which actually hugely helped me. Practice makes progress. Practice makes, so, instead of shooting for perfection and then focusing on how imperfect you are and how much you blew it, whenever you practice something, including godliness, you're making progress. Practice makes progress. Okay, so as kainos creations, as these concept cars, spiritual concept cars, we're making progress. That's sanctification. You make progress. The tiniest step is progress, is becoming more like Jesus. And so uh, this morning, we're going to sort of take a drive. We're going to continue down, uh, you know, Highway 223 or 2023, right? We're going to, and we're all in this vehicle, and we're going to, we're going to, talk about something today, an area of today that I'm going to right off the bat tell you is going to require you to choose to stay in a kainos mindset, meaning you are a new creation. How do I deal with life and the circumstances of life? Because the issue that we're going to talk about, many of us are going to go back to the old. You're going to go back to the old and how you deal with life and what you think and how you emotionally respond, how your attitude and everything. that. Because we're going to talk about worry. Worry. Now, some of you already, well, I just, I'm, I'm just, a, I've always been a, I've just, you know, that's just me. Well, that's, that's kind of an old person. I get that it might have been you. 
But as a kainos creation, a new creation in Christ, what we do is we look at the Bible and we say, okay, Jesus, show me as a kainos creation how to deal with situations when I'm tempted to worry. You see that? That's the new creation. That's, that's figuring out when life circumstances happen and I am tempted to worry, how am I to respond biblically in a way that honors God? And if right now you're sitting there going, that's going to take a miracle. That's going to take a supernatural act of God. Well, kainos creation, you are a supernatural act of God. That's the whole point. If we can navigate life and respond to situations where we would be tempted to worry in a way that glorifies God, who gets the glory? God. As, as we are transformed and as we learn to drive the concept creation through life and navigate worry in a way that glorifies God, he ultimately gets the glory. That draws people to Jesus. Okay? And so we're going to look at a familiar passage we're going to walk through. And, and my prayer for you and prayer for you at home is that uh, even one little truth, you'll, 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 the Holy Spirit will speak to you, and today you'll go, practice makes progress. That's the one. That's the one. Maybe it'll be more than one. But just ask the Lord. Just show me even one, Lord. Show me one, okay? So a passage, Matthew 6, 24 to 34, Jesus is speaking to his disciples he says this, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Now, in this passage in the ESV, it's anxious. Other versions, it's worry. Okay, they're synonymous, so anxious or worried. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious. Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink. Nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious or worried, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So we're going to lay some groundwork here, and they're going to actually walk through the passage. So anxious and worry, in the negative sense, really means the same thing, right? And in, in verse 25, he's three times he commands. It's a command not to be worrisome, not to be anxious. The NIV, verse 25, says this, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. In verse six, uh, 631 in the NIV, So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? And in verse 34 of the NIV, Therefore do not worry about tomorrow. It's a command. 
do not worry. In fact, the, the way that the, the grammar is, it, it, it's a command to stop an action already in progress. So some of you may have come here this morning worrying as a believer. And right off the bat, three times you are commanded not to worry. So this has already hit home for some of you. I don't know what it is, but if you're worried and you're a believer, three times, the Bible says, do not worry. And in fact, uh, the way that the grammar is, it says, stop what's already in action, and then it also means, don't even start. Don't even start. So some of you may have come here worried, and right off the bat, you're like, what? How is that even possible to command not to worry three times? And then even on top of that, how is it possible to not even start worrying? Anyone going, that's going to take a miracle? Thank you. Kainos creation right there. Yes, this passage, this very familiar passage, is a supernatural passage. And yet, in our culture, even in church, we have sort of excused it. Well, that's just me. I grew up in a house where we always worried. I'm a worry wart, and we turn it into sort of a positive thing. We've turned the label of being a worrier into sort of like, I care. I, you know, this is how I show love, is that I worry about you. So, so you're going to have to really work through this. This is where it gets, gets real really quick. As a kainos creation, as a new creation in Christ, as you and I navigate 2023, present today, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what the Lord has in store for you the next seven days, even tomorrow. But three times we are told not to worry. We are commanded. Stop worrying. Don't even start. How is that even possible? How do we do that? How do we navigate that? Well, again, it requires supernatural power. As a kainos creation, not only are you born again, you have the power of the Holy Spirit. You have the power of the Holy Spirit. And this whole, this whole area of worry is going to take the power of the Holy Spirit. You know why? Because it's going to take supernatural faith. It's going to take supernatural trust. It's going to take supernatural surrender. To not worry. To honor and obey this command. In the Greek, the word worry, the etymology, it's very interesting. Well, in the Greek, it means to be pulled in different directions, right? Distracting care, dread, dread of the future. One of the characteristics about worry is you dread what might happen, right? A lot of us are worried about things two, three, four months, a year down the road, right? We're consumed with the future, about the hypothetical worst-case scenarios, okay? It's interesting that the etymology, the, or, the origin of the word worry, you know what, where it comes from? It's an old English word for strangle. That's where the word worry comes from. It means in the old English to strangle. It strangles your joy. It strangles your peace, right? 
It, it, in the Middle English, it means to grasp by the throat with the teeth and lacerate, to kill or injure by biting or shaking. How many have been so consumed with worry that it just felt like it's killing you? You're like, oh, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? We're like, you're getting strangled, and it affects your physical mind. It affects your, phys- your physical body affects your mind, everything, right? Your relationships. You're being strangled by what? Worry, right? Ray Pritchard and remember, Jesus is speaking to believers here. So Ray Pritchard makes a pretty, a pretty direct statement. He says this. Worry is excessive concern over the affairs of life. The key, obviously, is the word excessive. It is an all-consuming feeling of uncertainty and fear. And it is a sin. Worry is a sin for two reasons. First, because it displaces God in your life. When you commit the sin of worry, you are living as though God did not exist. And you're living as though you alone can solve your problems. Second, because it distracts you from the things that really matter in life. As long as you are worrying, you can't do anything else. You are strangled by worry. Right? It's a serious issue. There's there's another book I read years and years ago entitled, How Big Is Your God?, and the author uses a phrase that really struck me and has really challenged me in my own faith. He calls it practical atheism. Practical atheism. Now, you might be a believer, and he says you're a believer, but when certain situations come into your life, the way you respond and the choices you make reveals practical atheism. It's like you don't believe in God. There is no God, and yet you say you're a believer, but your actions and your words betray you. He calls that practical atheism. That's that's what Ray Pritchard is saying here. Worry at its core is a heart issue, a relational issue between you and your heavenly Father. That's what makes it so serious. And it makes it serious because the world is watching us who profess to have a relationship with this God. Amen? Right? Right? The world is watching you. If, you're, if your friends and family know you're a believer, believe me, they are watching how you respond to the crises of life. Because your words and actions will either point them to the reality of God and his goodness and his provision, or they might go, wait, they're a Christian and they're kind of acting like there is no God. I thought they would be like not, not acting like that. Because they have this relationship with Jesus and they have the power of the Holy Spirit. They have all the promises of God in the Bible. I'm a little confused. That's why worry is so significant. Because it's a direct relational issue between you and your Heavenly Father. And then that goes out into a watching world. A watching world for, for better or for worse. A watching world. Okay? Now, there is a distinction between worry and concern, okay? In Philippians 2, Apostle Paul wrote, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you so soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you, for I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. 1 Corinthians 12, 25, that there may be no division in the body, talking about the church, but that the members may have the same care or concern for one another. So we're to be concerned, Genuine concern, okay? That's okay. Okay, you understand? That's right, there are two verses, and we're called to have care and concern. Okay, there's a distinction. 
Here's the distinction. It's a really uh, great definition. It says this. Frankly, the difference between worry and concern from a biblical perspective has to be framed in the context of how you face trouble rather than specific words. Because the Greek word for worry, marimnau, is translated both worry and concern. It's the context of how you handle it and what you think about it that determines whether you're worried or concerned. So what is the bottom line difference between worry and concern? It's how you position God in relationship to your trouble. Shut him out of the loop and you worry. And you would better worry too. But mentally put God between you and your problem and you have concern. But the problem is not hopeless because God is your hope. Amen? It's where you put God. It's where you put God. And what happens is you and I are going to leave here and you're going to venture out into the world and things are going to happen. And the question is when they happen, where is God? Where are you putting God in that circumstance? What they're saying is, you put God between you and the circumstance, okay, I'm going to be anxious for nothing, but I'm going to bring everything before God with thanksgiving and supplication. Amen? Amen. But God is between me and Goliath. But if something happens, a Goliath happens, and God is nowhere to be found, now I'm worried. Now I'm strangled. Because it's just me and this overwhelming Goliath, and it's all up to me and my resources and my understanding. And now I'm worried. Now I'm strangled. Okay? So we're going to walk through what I call, you know, the seven words that begin with P, seven P words as we walk through this passage. But I want to, I want to encourage you to do this, okay? What might trigger or challenge me in my life when it comes to worry, to temptation to worry, may be very different than you or you, or you. Sometimes in the church, for whatever reason, we get caught up in comparison and evaluating. Well, I don't know why Tracy's so worried about that. That's just not a thing, right? And, and we tend to almost dishonor and disrespect each other inadvertently because we minimize someone's circumstances without knowing them. So what might challenge me? You know, I shared last Sunday about this tree that could have fallen, you know, two people said, yeah, that can go in any second. That's a big deal to me in the circumstance of my life. May not be to you. Maybe you're facing health. Maybe you're facing finances. Maybe career. Maybe relational. The point is, when it comes to these situations, it isn't the external circumstance. It's where you're challenged in your relationship with God. You understand what I'm saying? The tree and the potential for falling on a house and crushing it and destroying it, that was a big deal to me. That triggered me this way. May not trigger you because it's not a big deal. But the question is, what triggers you when you really have to trust God? Where, what, what triggers you relationally, financially, career-wise, relationally, health-wise, whatever you're facing? What is it right now where you are right now feeling worry? Right? What's the Goliath or Goliaths? Because it's rare that there's only one. Right? And so as we walk through this, again, that's why I say take your eyes off others and say, Lord, 
Help me to reframe worry in the context of my relationship with you because it's a heart issue. It's a heart issue. And we can be unified in how we respond regardless of the circumstance. You guys get that, right? We can all respond biblically in a way that glorifies God even if the circumstances that we each face are different, okay? In Matthew 6, 25b, the first, the first P is perspective, okay? Perspective. Matthew 6, 25b, he says, Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? This was a huge, huge statement in the context of this culture. Yeah, remember, this is this where Jesus was, right? Go back, go back to the gospel time. These were people who were agrarian agriculture farmers. They were dependent on the rain. They were dependent on the seasonal cycles. They were dependent on the crops, right? These were people living day to day, not knowing where their next meal was going to come from. Even the clothing, right? So Jesus, when he says, hey, you know what? Don't worry about your life. Is not life more than food and body? In this culture, that was one of those. Did he just say that? What is he talking about? Every day we wake up not knowing where our next meal is coming from. Every every time we plant the crops, we're hoping the rain comes. What is he talking about? He's talking about people who are tempted to worry and become consumed and strangled by the things of life. The basic necessities of life. Now, what's really kind of hard to, to us to really appreciate the gravity of this statement is that we live in Ojai, in the good old USA, and most of us have full refrigerators, I'm guessing. Most of us, I'm guessing, okay? There might be a few, and I won't be sensitive, but I'm guessing most of you here and most of you at home are not worried where your next meal is coming from today. Right? We're not, you're just not. So you hear this, and you're like, ah, oh, yeah, don't worry. Until something zings you outside of food and clothing and shelter. And when you get zinged, when I say when you have those issues, when it, it hits home, then you'll understand what he, the, the, how they were responding. When you get the call from the doctor, when you get the, the layoff notice from work, when the bill comes due, all of that stuff, and you feel that, ugh, how are we going to make it? Is this, are we going to be able to make it? Now you understand the context of what they were, how they were responding to. What is he talking about? And so what he's saying to them and what he's saying to us, okay, is perspective. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? He's like, hey, step out. And remember, he's talking to believers. He wants us to stay big picture. We can be concerned about food, clothing, and shelter. We can be concerned about it. But in the big picture, we need to keep the eternal kingdom of God in mind priority. Amen? He's telling us as citizens of heaven, as followers of Jesus, not to become consumed with the minutia of the basic necessities because Father will take care of it. But we live in a social media media, heavy, dominant culture. And again, if you're following the 
economic forecasts for Q1, Q2, possibly into 2025. The economy can scare you. The question is, as a believer, how are you going to respond? As a believer, as a kainos creation. You've got to remember that. Okay, we're talking as new creations. Okay? Mark 4. And others, he's talking about, remember the parable of the sower when he cast seed out? Look at Mark 4. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful, right? Even as believers, we've got to be careful about getting caught up in the things of the world, loving the things of the world, to where we become unfruitful in our walk. Okay, and Jesus says, hey, you know what? Isn't life more than that? Isn't life, isn't there the big picture? Eternity, right? And then in 1 Timothy, he goes right back to the basics. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. If we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. How's that for a vision statement for 2023? Would you? And that's very real because, again, we live in a culture of discontent. The marketing is designed to get you and I to be discontent so we consume and buy things we don't need. That's how our economy runs. There would be a radical impact on our economy if we all lived at the need level. If we all lived at the basic necessity level, which is the context of this passage, you know how many stores would become irrelevant? This is the battle we face. And so for some here, perspective might be, the P application is, what's your vision? Are you being caught up in the, the stuff of the world? The, the, the oh, I got to get it, I got to get it in. What's your level of contentment? Are you content? Really, I mean, what, 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 what defines contentment? What, you know, if blank, then I'll be content. Fill that in. Because you might find if you spend time this week and you go, whoa, I have everything and plus. Amen? I mean, seriously, right? Mark, we've said this before. Bill, right? Go to, go to Mexico. Go to Haiti. A lot of other countries that we've been to. You come back here, you live like a king and a queen. Abundance. Abundance. Right? I'm humbled. The, the, the times you build, you build houses in Mexico and you're like, the whole house is the size of your living room. And you're just like, wow. It's perspective. So maybe some today, someone today, the first P is just perspective. Third Sunday into 2023, maybe the Lord just wants you to sit down and go, you know what? Let's get some perspective on things. I know you have good intentions. I know you want to provide. I know you want to take care of this. I know you want to, but let's get some perspective here. <laughs> because when you lose perspective, you start to worry and you get strangled. So, some of it just might be a matter of perspective, okay? Second P word is precious. 
precious. Matthew 6, 26. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Verse 28. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? The P is an argument, what we call from the lesser to the greater. From the lesser to the greater. He says, hey, look at the birds. Look at the birds, right? God takes care of them. And then I love this. Are you not of more value than they? I think last Sunday we talked about masterpiece, right? Who here is a masterpiece in Christ, right? Are you not of more value than the birds? You're God's masterpiece, right? So it's very simple. P, precious, when, you, when you're tempted to worry and words that, well, how are the basic needs going to get met? Remember how precious you are. Remember how valuable you are to your father, right? If he takes care of the birds, right? Takes care of the birds. We got birds here, and, you know, if you go to the commons after, and you're having a snack, and you see these silver things hanging down from our patio, it's because the birds, they hang upside down, and they start, what are they, what are they doing? Digging into the wood, pecking into the wood, right, to hide an acorn, Right? They're destroying our thing. And you sit there, you know, and I sit here in my office, and I'm just like, tick, 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 and I'm like, okay. And I'm like, okay, God takes care of them. Right? And sometimes you just might need to sit and just watch a bird. I don't know if I've ever seen a bird stressed out. <laughs> you can go to the beach, right? They're just walking along, punk. Getting these crabs, bonk, 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 bonk. They're just chilling, right? Bonk, bonk, bonk. Right? Even if it's roadkill, they're like, oh, car coming, hop out of the way. I pass, I look in the rear mirror, the birds go right back to the roadkill. They're not stressing. Aren't you more valuable than them? You are. You are. Okay? So that's precious. Number three, pointless pointless. Matthew 6, 27 in the New Living. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? In the New King James, which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? Now, a cubit is from your elbow to your finger. What it was, 18 inches, okay? Worrying, you're going to add any hours to your life, and you're not going to add any inches to your height, right? Can you imagine? I'm like, which of you can add, like, what if we started to grow every time we worried? <laughs> There'd be giants in the land, right? Like, oh, man, we'd out ourselves, right? <laughs> you grew like 18 inches every time you worried. Dude, really? It's pointless. But worrying makes us feel like we're doing something, Right? If we're in a situation where maybe we feel helpless, maybe it's not happening like as soon as we want it to happen. Maybe we're the, you know, the type A driver fixer, right? I got to do something. I got to do something. And there's nothing you can actually practically do. I'm going to worry. 
because it makes you feel good that you're doing something. It's pointless. It's pointless. Right? How many of you have a hard time admitting when you're wrong? Okay. Lovingly turn to somebody and say, it's pointless. It's, it's, it's pointless. It doesn't, it doesn't accomplish anything. Now, here's the, here's the crazy thing. It actually does the opposite. It's negative. We're thinking that, you know, it says in, you can't add a single moment to your life. Worry, anxiety, and stress can take away moments from your life. The physical and emotional and mental toll. You're actually doing the opposite of what you think you're doing. Okay? It, it's pointless. Let it go. Okay? Just lovingly turn to somebody. Turn to somebody and say, let it go. Let it go. <laughs> right? <laughs> now, here's the challenge. Some of, you, some of you are like, okay, and you're staring at it like, but I want it back. Right? Because it's kind of our comfort. It becomes like our thing, our, our pet worry. I don't know. So it's pointless. With, with the love in my heart as probably number one worrier, like I, I you know, and I, I get it. There's a lot, you know, I have been worried about, and, and I, this, this is very real to me. So I'm not, you know, I don't want to make light of it. That's challenging to me. It's challenging to me. It's pointless. It's just pointless. Okay? Psalm 31, 14. But I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hand. Rescue me from the hand of my enemies and from my persecutors. That phrase, my times are in your hand. Early 2000s, I had an opportunity to go to Israel. And it was right between two uh, huge flare-ups in that region. And I remember, and I was a little nervous, and people were saying, you going? Yeah, I'm going on a tour. And we got through uh, LAX, you know, you go through all the interviews, it's a pretty intensive interview, they're asking about your trip, da 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 and it just makes you a little bit more concerned slash worried. And I remember we got to the, uh, on the plane, and we got taxied out, and we were waiting on the runway uh, for clearance, and I looked out the window, and there were police cars on both sides of the plane. I'd never seen that before. I didn't know it was a thing to have to have a, a plane escorted by law enforcement before it took out. And then, you know, and then, then my mind starts going, right? And I'm like, Lord, and I'm sitting in my seat, and I'm like, Lord, Lord, okay. You know, and what's going to happen when we get there, and, you know. And literally, out of the blue, that phrase, my time's in your, in your hand, came into my mind. I didn't even know this psalm, this phrase. Just I must have read it as I read through the Bible a few times. My time's are in your hand. So at that moment, before we took off, I had to make a choice. Either I was going to release this or I was going to worry the whole trip. And he says, my times are in your hand. Because God is good. And all the time, my times are in a good God's hand. It's trust. That's release. Okay? Fourth P is a word I call Papa. Papa. Matthew 6, 32. For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. 
your heavenly Father. Romans 8. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as own children. Now we call him Abba, Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm we are God's children. That word Abba is why I put Papa. Through faith in Jesus in the new covenant, you and I as Kainos creations have this miraculous privilege to call the God of the universe Daddy. Papa, Abba, unheard of, unheard of. We are in a familial, intimate relationship with the God of the universe. And that's why he says, your heavenly father knows you need these things. How many of you as dads, let's just, because it's heavenly father. How many of you as dads would be a little bit, irritated if your kid was like dad you're gonna take care of it dad dad do we have enough dad dad are you sure you can do this is this big enough for you dad dad can you handle this dad dad but what if this dad but what if dad 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 i'm I'm worried dad i don't know if you can handle this dad 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 how many of you dads would at some point say i got it (laughs) i got it your heavenly father, papa, abba, daddy, he's got it. Don't miss the truth. Your heavenly father knows. He knows. It's not like, you know, Marvin comes up and he's like, hey, you know, father, this is, and he's like, oh, Marvin, gosh, I'm sorry, I forgot about you. <laughs> Did you need that, Marvin? Marvin, gosh, I'm so sorry. I didn't know you needed that. Your heavenly father knows what you need, bro. He knows. How many of you find comfort just that he knows? And then you find great comfort that he's able. You don't, as a kainos creation, you call the God of the universe Abba. (sighs) Game changer. Game changer. Okay? Dwight Pentecost says this, you are your father's child. And he assumes an obligation to take care not only for your soul, but also for your body. He asks you to trust rather than to worry. God's antidote to worry, anxiety, love of material things is very simple. Trust a faithful God. God has yet to fail his children. Therefore, do not be so enslaved to material things that their love produces anxious care in your life. Rather, trust the loving father to do what he said he would do. Amen? Trust him to do what he said he would do. Okay? Fifth P is priority. Priority. Verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. He's talking about a daily choice, a habitual practice to prioritize God's kingdom. Right? What's the priority in your life? Put God's kingdom, God, glorifying God first. Right? Now, this doesn't mean, right, some people are like, oh, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Oh, does that mean we're just going to go to church and serve and we don't even have to work? We're just going to sing worship songs all day and we're going to just go and volunteer at the church and we're just going to be seeking God and he's going to provide everything. No. 
That's not an excuse. This is not an excuse for laziness, idleness. It's not an excuse for not planning or being a good steward at all. Okay? I love this. Proverbs 6. Take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. Learn from their ways and become wise. Though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work, they labor hard all summer, gathering food for the winter. But you, lazy bones, how long will you sleep? When will you wake up? A little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding the hands to rest. Then poverty will pounce on you like a bandit. Scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. We're to work. In fact, we should be the best workers. We should be the best employees. Because we're ultimately serving the Lord. Not your human boss. Right? Second Thessalonians. Even while we were with you, we gave you this command. Those unwilling to work will not get to eat. Yet we hear that some of you are living idle lives, refusing to work and meddling in other people's business. We command such people and urge them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and work to earn their own living. Okay? So seeking first the kingdom of God is not some weird bury your head in the sand, kumbaya, we don't need the work moment. It's like, no, God is the priority in all of my life. And I seek to glorify him in his kingdom in all of my life. And I'm going to work hard and I'm going to be the best employee in my company because it honors God. That's what we do when we seek him first, right? Colossians uh, 3, 23. Eileen will go to Colossians 3, 23. Whatever you do, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your word. You are serving the Lord Christ. Amen? There you go. To seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness He's the boss. He's the real employer. Go work hard, and he'll provide. He'll provide for your needs, okay? The sixth P word is what I call present. What I mean by that is present day or present tense, okay? Matthew 6, 34. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble, right? Again, one of the key characteristics about worry is what? We live in the future, Worst case scenario, hypotheticals. Strangles our joy, strangles our peace, messes with our relationships, and it hasn't even happened yet. Right? You say, you know what? Don't be anxious about tomorrow. Stay in the present. Ray Pritchard says this. Don't borrow trouble. There's plenty to be thinking about right now. So many people are frozen with fear over what might happen two or three months down the road. Listen. If God could create the world in seven days, he can surely handle your problems in June or July. Each day has enough trouble to keep you plenty busy. You take care of today, and God will take care of tomorrow. Amen? Do what you need to do today. Today. And it's so great. When you live in today, there's joy. There's energy. There's, there's a new vision because you're looking. Every day is the adventure. But it's when we live too far out in the future, we bypass today. We bypass today, right? I shared with you before in ministry, uh, I've learned, especially on Sundays, not to get caught up in my head of the future. And what I mean by that is uh, on Sunday mornings, uh, I make several trips from my office through the commons, through those doors, and up just back here, just prepping. I have had to learn, and God has corrected me on this. I get in my head thinking about what I need to do to prepare for service. And if I'm not careful, there are people here who have come to serve and are fellowshipping, 
And because I'm so in my head, I miss the present. And God really spoke to me a year or two ago about being so focused on me and where I'm going that I miss saying hi to you. Good morning. How was your week? Right? Because I'm so forward-looking that I'm just like... And I had to just learn to be in the present. Right? And give Brenda a hug when she comes through the hallway today. I've learned to just live in the moment because God has divine appointments when my radar is up for the present. So just like with this with worry, if we stay in today, you might just be surprised what God brings to you today. And you might get surprised at how the burden is lifted because of all that you are caring about tomorrow and next week. It doesn't mean that we don't plan. It doesn't mean that we're not good stewards and we don't think ahead. And we know, even here, as elders, you talked about the annual meeting. We had a few meetings about the budget for 2023. So we plan here. We budget here. But there's a balance. We have the budget, and then we live on January 15th. We make the most of this gathering. Okay? We, we plan. Okay? We don't get consumed about tomorrow. All right? Philippians 4.19. My God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. We covered this when we were going through Philippians. Great promise. Great promise. It's the needs, right? We called it at that time, it's the needs versus the greeds. <laughs> right? Sometimes it was challenging. Um, and Bill, you do a really good job with this. Sometimes people come and, and maybe they're needing some uh, stewardship counseling in the area of finances, sometimes the first step is to just look at the budget, just the nuts and bolts. It's, it's, it's not a value judgment. It's just, let's look at it. And sometimes you find out God has provided for the needs. And what we thought was a need was really sort of a want. Right? How many of you have ever gone shopping and somebody or you said, I really need this? Do you really need that? <laughs> you really need that? Right? So I'm just saying, our, our, uh, in, in, in the good old U.S. of A needs, just be real careful when you say, I really need that. Because, you know, enough said, right? Jack Arnold says this, this verse makes it clear that God will supply the Christian's needs. He doesn't promise to meet our wants, but our needs, food, clothing, housing, and other things which are absolutely necessary for living. He does not say a Christian may not go through some hard times and have to skip a meal now and then. Needs and wants can often get all scrambled up in the Christian's mind, especially in our materialistic society. Wants and needs deal with motivations. People are funny. They spend money they don't have to buy things they don't need to impress folks they don't like. Okay. So maybe it's just reassessing, taking a step, take some time to go, what is my motivations? What are my motivations? Why do I need this or these things? And you might find out, yeah, actually, the Lord has blessed you abundantly at the need level. Okay? And then number seven, we'll end with this P, personal relationship. All right? Perspective, precious, pointless, papa, priority, present, and finally, 
personal relationship. And uh, worship team, you guys can come on up when you're ready. Romans 8.32 says this. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Okay, so earlier it was the lesser to the greater, the birds to us. Now this argument is what they call the greater to the lesser. Okay, Eileen, put it up one more time. I'm sorry, Romans 8.32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. Greater, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Lesser. If you're wondering about God's care, concern, how much value you have, he who did not give the greatest gift of Jesus, how is he not going to take care of what you need on this planet? It's the greater to the lesser. Come on. I mean, he's already given you the greatest. His son, Jesus. How will he not give you what you need, the basic necessities of life, as you seek him first? As you seek him first. Ray Stedman says this. He who has already given us the best, the greatest, the dearest, the most precious thing he has, and he did so while we were sinners, while we were enemies, while we were helpless, will he not also give us some of these trivial, piddling little things that we need? If someone thinks enough of you to give a costly, brilliant, beautiful, flawless diamond, do you think he will object when you ask him for the box that goes with it? And if God has given us his own son already, do you really think God is going to withhold anything else that we need? Paul's argument is unanswerable. Of course he won't. We can say with David in the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Right? And so we put this list up again. And I just want you to reflect on that before the worship team sings. Which one is the Lord speaking to you about? Maybe more than one. Maybe it's starting a personal relationship today. I don't know. Let the Lord speak to you. And remember, practice makes progress. Take the tiniest step forward in one of those. Do something with it. It's okay. You're a kainos concept creation. You're going to figure it out as we move ahead into 2023 and beyond. Give yourself some grace to figure it out. But you got to start. You got to start. Take time today, right now. I'm going to sing a song and, and really just encourage you. Seek the Lord. Seek the Lord and what he would have you to do in your relationship with him. Good morning. I wanted to give you some information about women's ministry. Um, same things as last week, but I'm glad there's a new week, however that Greek word was for new in the timeline. I'm glad there's a new week to it. Um, so uh, we are conducting a survey. We'd like you all to participate and put your input into it. Um, there are copies, hard copies, um, either on the back table or in the commons, and there's a basket if you want to leave them there. We have also made it online, so Eileen, thank you so much. Um, it's the link is actually on the home page. So if you go to the church's website, 
on the home page there's a link to the survey you can fill it out and submit it online as well so We'd really appreciate your input for that. Also, just again, Bible studies have started. All this information is also on the church's website, but we have Monday mornings. And if you wouldn't mind, Diana, would you mind standing up? Monday mornings is facilitated by Diana. She's a very nice person. <laughs> and she, she <laughs> and so, um, so I just kind of wanted you to see a face with it. And uh, Monday evenings, I do it. I'm probably the sketchiest person out of this group. Uh, Tuesdays on Zoom is with Cindy Mullins. Is, I don't know if Cindy's here today. And uh, Thursday more, uh, Thursdays are with Katie. Katie, do you mind standing up? Please, she's waving her hand. Thanks, to, thanks, Katie. Uh, again, a very nice person <laughs> to have a study with. She, she does an excellent job. So uh, there's a sign-up sheet on the cart, but on the cart out back. But if um, you need any more information, please uh, get get me, and and I will give you information or email me my church. Um, Email address is also on the website. Thank you. Thanks, Kathy. So we have one other announcement. Uh, there is going to be a uh, church annual meeting, and everybody that is going to come to that meeting is going to be a nice person. <laughs> Apparently, everybody here is nice, which it's been my experience so I mean has it been your experience is every yeah there's nice people here which is which is really good so our annual meeting that we have uh, once a year every year we talk about the the year that we just completed because for those of you that are a little bit behind the times 2022 is over it's over it's now 2023 and so Saturday February the 18th at 9 30 in the morning right here uh, the uh, pastors and elders will be presenting the annual meeting, talking about the year just passed and the vision into the future. I highly encourage you uh, to to come out for that. Um, it is a church family, and we talk about family-oriented stuff, right? And that's what the annual meeting is about. So uh, that's the only other announcement we have. If you would stand, uh, we'll pray, and we will continue to worship. Amen.